Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. Really hope we'll see you there. Guys, we have a super, super, super exciting announcement for you today. We can't tell you what it is right now, but if you're listening to this from like Monday evening onwards, please check our Instagram accounts. The announcement will be live and we really hope that this is something you can get involved in and we're excited and I just wish I could tell you now, but we can't, we're not allowed. But from Monday evening onwards, the news is out and we hope you can make it. Thank you so much. Aging is a bitch. Getting older will for sure humble you if TikTok doesn't first. I get daily reminders of how much my body has changed and evolved. Uh, My body dysmorphia has been like not cute the last couple years. Hello and welcome back to Should I Delete That? I'm Alex Light. And I'm Em Clarkson. Smash it! (laughs) First time! How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Are you? I, feel yeah. like I literally feel like I haven't seen you. I see your Instagram stories. I see a lot of pistachio bait. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. I know. It's funny, isn't it? I know. Although I did... When, when did we... See, I saw you two weeks ago. Is that right? It's a long time for us. It is a long time, isn't it? Especially because the period, like, just before you gave birth, we were together, like, all the time. Every single day. We did... S- literally like three days a week oh, sad we'll get back so there so it's weird yeah how are you how are you i'm okay i have had an illness uh, yeah i haven't had a like i haven't had like a regular cold like a run-of-the-mill lurgy for about 10 years like when i go ill i go like really ill i'm like bam bronchitis but like <laughs> or like covid floors me but there's like nothing in between like everyone else gets cold drops like flies i'm like pussies like not for me i take simproof <laughs> i'm absolutely fine and i've literally been the pinnacle of health for so long until newborn life um and my immune system is just under the carpet so i got sick. oh my god i have a sore throat I'm, I'm on the bounce back. I'm on the way back up again. But it was a bad weekend. Okay. I was I was poorly up in all this. And you can't have stuff when you're breastfeeding. You must just suffer. It is a woman's prerogative just to suffer. What do you mean you can't, you well, can't have it? Well, they in... loads of medication. I think... So they mostly say, like, if you're breastfeeding, you need to talk to a doctor. Now... Right. Most things are fine. But truthfully, the reason they put that there is because they don't test on breast... You know, they don't test these things. It's like how they realised the COVID jab affected the menstruation cycle. They didn't know that because they didn't test it on women before they did it. Like, it's the gender bias, I think. I don't know enough about it. I'm just I'm just guessing it's misogyny and sexism. So we'll just go with it. Um, I think it's medical misogyny, I, I agree. Oh, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can't have, like, the decongestives, like, Sudafed and stuff, because that is, like, legit bad for the baby. But there's quite a lot of stuff that's just, like, you need to ask your doctor. And I'm like, my doctor doesn't... The GPs do not answer the phone. And if they do, they do not give a fuck. Like, they don't care. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, my yeah. Pharmacist They're on fighting the fires. Does. 
yeah, they are like they are busy people. They don't want to listen to me being like, so can I take Puritan? They're like, yes, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it is a minefield, isn't it? I never really thought about that. I know. Goods, goods, bads, awkwards. Good. Have you got any goods? Um, so I just did a talk for my old eating disorder hospital. And it was something that I have known about, that I have known that I was doing for a long time, but I was absolutely terrified about it. Literally, it was like waking me up at night. I was so scared. I was scared of getting emotional. I was scared of um, triggering, you know, it's all impatience. Um, I was really scared of triggering anyone. I was just scared about the whole thing. I was absolutely terrified. And like, you know, we've done, you know, a few talks, haven't we? But it's never to people. I mean, there might be like some people that are listening that have an eating disorder but it's not specifically eating disorder patients so I was really scared and I was scared for all the emotions it was going to bring back and I was just anyway you get the point I was scared Mm. but I did it it was fine I was so nervous I was like shaking um it was actually supposed to be in person but because I was ill don't know if I mentioned I was ill um because I was ill it was over zoom which I do think helped because I was scared I was just like terrified about doing it in person so I do think that that was a blessing in disguise but yeah I did it and it felt like a really it was it was really weird and super surreal but a very much like a like full circle moment Mm. I guess yeah and quite cathartic and I was really sad afterwards like I just I couldn't stop crying afterwards especially like yeah yeah it was just it it was it's hard I, I guess knowing the road that they have ahead of them and like seeing it like it just it just made me feel really sad but I'm really glad that I did it I'm proud of you that was my that was my good good you're so good at your talking (laughs) you're so good at talking I'm not I'm not (laughs) I I, no I I I, oh god I mean do do you know what normally and normally it's fine and we've done a few together haven't we I I think they've been okay I I heard a thing yesterday it was like someone describing someone and it was just like she loves an audience and I was like I get that like you know like (laughs) I'm so nervous before you do it and then when you get up it's like oh okay it's fine like when the people are there it's like I can do this um yeah and I feel a lot better doing those things with with you because when you're on your own, you're like... <laughs> yeah, it's really scary when you're on your own. Yeah. Just because if it's awkward, it's awkward. And there's no one to be like, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> there's no one to help. It's just awkward. Yeah, so you need someone to like pick up pick, pick up my slack. Yeah. yeah, or like pick up the silences. Nothing worse. And there's no louder silence than one with a microphone. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> but that's the reason that I always end up saying like stupid things. Because like my brain can't work fast enough to say something to meaningfully fill the silence but at the same time I can't bear the silence so I'll just be like Bleh! and then be like why did I say that, that and so then you've weird. got to go home and think about it every day for the rest of your life like fuck why did I say that stupid stupid thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what's your good <laughs> okay. I'm so tired no I was actually I was I was looking out the window and there's daffodils and I am just so fucking happy that it's warmer spring is springing i feel so apart from the fact i feel ill i feel so good i think i'm i keep saying i'm gonna do a post on instagram about it and i keep trying to get there and i will but i literally can't find the words to articulate how i feel about it and i think it's only like now i'm seven weeks out of pregnancy that i'm like i was so ill 
And I got really so emotional Ill. thinking about it. Like, obviously, I could cry thinking about it because it's only now I'm coming. Like, I went for a walk yesterday by myself because Alex has been a busy bitch this week. And I had all on my chest and I had Boo on my arm. And I was like, in my leggings, skipping basically down the feckin' street. And I got into the park and I did like two laps and I was listening to my podcast and the sun was shining. And I just was like, oh my God. Like, I didn't even realize. Morning, Miss Magpie. I didn't even realize how far away I'd got from myself. Like I just, I, yeah, I just, I I haven't been me for like nine months, and I didn't I didn't even yeah. notice that until now. And I'm like, oh my god! Like cesarean recovery aside, now that the sickness has gone, I'm just like, I, and I'm only just beginning to process it. And I feel so light and so grateful just for like my health. So I'm I'm actually just yeah. really happy. I'm just really really happy. I'm just happy that I can. I realised it the other day. I went out, and all those days you and I would go and podcast record. And I would get home and I would literally barely get through the front door. Like I was, I mean, like vividly remember being sick on the doorstep, like not that long ago. And like I would, I would yeah. pull out in, in the car or a cab or whatever, having been sick in the car or a cab and I'd get in the house and I would just literally go straight to bed or like straight on the sofa and I couldn't even think about food. And like that would only when I'd have been out with you for like three or four hours recording or whatever it was. And the other day I went out with Arlo. I left the house at 8am and we were out until 5.30. And I got home and I put her in my carrier and I went to the shop and I cooked dinner and then I ate dinner and then I bathed her and I was like, oh my God, I'm normal. (laughs) Like, this is what it feels like to get home from a day out and then have an evening. Like, I couldn't just, yeah, I couldn't walk and work and eat and do anything else if I had one thing to do in a day I had to do that which usually was work so everything else suffered I didn't walk I didn't spend time with Alex I didn't eat anything I didn't cook like and now I'm like back I'm just I can do it all again oh I'm just so happy that's so you you were so ill I think it must be really difficult when you are living it every day every minute it must be really difficult to like notice the contrast because it happens. It happens it's so It's like, slowly. you know, when you've got a headache, you can't remember what it's like not to have a headache. And then you promise yeah. yourself, like, I'm never going to take for granted not having a headache again. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm never going to not have a headache yeah. again. It's like that. Yeah. I think because I spent so much time with you as well and I saw it day in, day out, I don't think I fully appreciated as well, like how ill you really were. It's only seeing me now that I'm like, this is how I'm meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Alive. alive. Yeah, I don't give a shit that I'm getting up at four in the morning because I'm not getting up to throw up. Like, so anything other than that is a win. Yeah. I'm cleaning up someone else's <laughs> sick, but that's no problem. <laughs> so the, well, moral moral of the story is don't get pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or know that, or, or um, for anybody that's like, <laughs> doesn't want to hear that. Um just remember that everything is temporary. That's what I like yeah. clung on to when I was pregnant. Yeah. And now I've got the proof and the validation that I was right. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. And it was worth it. Oh, Even fuck though it was yeah. horrendous. I'd do it, was it every day. It. I would do it every single day for the rest of my life, Arlo. Every day. Yeah. I'd just be a shit mother to her because I would be <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awful. Thank God you're not. Oh, I know. Um, that's a nice good. That's a good good. Good, good. Like yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lovely little good, daffodils good. out in front of me. I'm like, Everything's just good in the world again. Oh, good. Um, anything bad? Bad, bad, bad. My bad, my bad. I have found a third influencer 
Who has blocked me? What? <laughs> yes. What? Yes. What? Without having crossed paths. As far as I am aware, as far as I know, like potentially to these three women, potentially I have done something inadvertently that I just am not aware of. But how rude. <laughs> I mean, we do always say that people have to protect their boundaries. Yeah, but okay. Two things. Do they not know that I'm sensitive? Okay. Number one. Number two, um, I'm not like, I'm not like batting down their doors, trying to like get in their, you know, bat down their boundaries and get in their personal space. As far as I'm aware, I don't, I didn't even follow these people. Oh my God. I, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 mort- I'm mortoed. I'm triggered. Yeah, I'm crushed. Um, That's huge. What did you do? Number three, what did I do? What did you do? Well, but damn yeah, it. So there, so there we go. Nothing. So damn it. I'm yeah, so I know. I know. I know. How rude. I mean, like, I don't like it when I found that I've been unfollowed by somebody. Although fate, that person that we talked about a long time ago that unfollowed me has recently followed me back. So I, I, I am. I've got a whiplash. Right. <laughs> right. I do not know what's Emotional going on. Whiplash. I'm not going to question it. Oh my god. Okay, I've got another one as well. Right. So. I went to an event the other night yeah. and this woman came up to me and was like, oh my God, I love your content so much. Like I had to come up to you because like, I love, word for word, I love a bit of Alex Light, right? Just a bit. Okay. <laughs> Which is obviously like w- weird, but whatever. I'm giving you context. So I was like, oh my God, so nice to meet you. I'm sure I'll love your content too. And then anyway, she, she I had to go and then I asked someone like, what's her handle? they told me her handle so I was like because I'm going to message her later and, and follow her and say you know so nice to meet you so <clears throat> I get home and I was like must remember to message that lady she was so nice I go on her account she doesn't follow me <laughs> why does it hurt so much because this happened to me when my mum went on holiday to Thailand and she met this woman and my mum was ringing me from the airport in the way that only a mum can do going well I got to talking to a woman in the airport transfer and um, I said that I was going to be a grandma and that um, you we didn't know what cot to get you to get the baby and anyway and I got to talking to this woman and she had a new baby and then turns out um, you she knows who you are I was like well how did that come up um, turns out she follows you on Instagram she loves your content she kept saying that she loved your content and anyway this is what you have to get and I've got a list of all the things and she said that you can call her anytime and I was like okay thanks mum like matchmaking me a friend and then I was like well that is nice to be fair so again I went to go and find her on Instagram so I could message her she does not follow me. Doesn't follow? <laughs> <laughs> so good. So bad, just, isn't it? I think they're probably just being polite and they just hope that we're not going to follow up. Because to be honest, why would we follow up? We're just being needy that we're following up. Most people probably wouldn't. So it's fine. <laughs> My bad. Um, I actually feel ashamed to admit this, but we have mice in that. <sighs> so cute I feel so many things I know it's so cute so <laughs> my I what I do because I have a little squeak and I'm like so wee little squeak um, and if I didn't oh. have a newborn I genuinely would be like okay pets fun <laughs> yeah. um, but baby um, so I have to be sensible yeah. um, it's hard basically you know our neighbours are doing the, an extension they've ripped their whole kitchen out they've got builders in so yeah. I think the mice are taking advantage of the fact that there's like no house there so they're just like, oh, yeah. cool. Like, there's just holes everywhere. Like, there's no wall between. So I think they just, like, come in from wherever mice come in from. 
I spoke to the contractors about it yesterday. They're like, oh, sorry, that's going to happen. I was like, okay, cool. So um, really sad. Um, they're hanging out in the cupboard where Boo with dog food lives, um, which is, to be fair, probably a good cupboard, but um, better than like with the plates and stuff oh. or my vegan food. Anyway, um, yeah, not great so we've got someone coming at oh. three and i literally i had a chat with the mice last night i was like i'm really sorry i think it's your last night like tell your oh family that you God. love them <laughs> are they gonna <laughs> kill them i don't know oh my god i think they have to because if oh, they no. take them away i think they just come back again oh no i re- i don't want to ask I, so I, we're operating a don't ask don't tell policy with the pest people because i just don't want the answer i think that's for the best and I, know we, I know we have to do it because i know that arlo is like got to be clean like, I, do, I don't know a lot about babies but i just feel like mice and babies are like a super bad combo so yeah are, are they rodents mice yes 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 they are big time that's why the pest control come to deal with them they're pests um. I know it's difficult for me to get my head around because my sister always had pet mice although we had an incident with the pet mice because we had a pet mouse called Madonna and we didn't realise that when we got her she was <laughs> pregnant and um. she had loads of babies and then all her babies had sex with each other and then they all had babies and we had like thousands of mice <laughs> it was really bad and Madonna lived for like fucking ages and she got this massive tumour that was like as big as her and Ma- and Katia was making mum take her to the vet and my mum was like oh my god like she's a pet like she like i know she's a pet but also <laughs> they were like talking about doing this massive operation to remove the tumor but it was like quoting my mom like thousands of pounds my mom was like oh god um but it was like katia's baby so madonna's tumor was removed i mean it was a whole thing <laughs> so i feel a real affinity with mice because we have them as pets so i just feel so bad um but yeah, I keep talking to them. I'm like, but, 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 but. So yesterday morning was when I realised that they were here. So I get up at like five in the morning. And like, this is just me not wanting the confrontation. Like when Arlo wakes up, I, you know, Alex has got work. So I'll, I'll like take her downstairs and sit and watch the sunrise and drink a cup of tea or whatever in the kitchen. And I heard this like scuttling in the cupboard and the little squeak squeak. And I was like, oh no. And I was like, I don't. And Boo was being fucking hopeless. She stood up in bed with Alex. And I was like, okay, I don't want to like... I don't want to see them. I don't want them to come out because I'll just, I'll fuck it up. I'll scream or like something. And I was like holding Arlo. So I was like talking to the mice. I was like, hello, please don't come out. I'm scary. Stay away. It worked. They didn't come out. So um, Well done. Well done. <laughs> thanks. But I'm not going to always be there to sort of like manage the crisis. Do you know what I mean? So I feel oh. like we are going to have to... Um, get something to do so anyway they're coming at three today i'm really upset i'm looking but, at pictures of mice online now do this because i have no alternative this is the this is a killer thing like what do, what do you do you've got to get rid of them i'll have a word with the man at three how do you get rid of mice without killing them peppermint oil <laughs> Just make them a cup of mint tea and ask them to leave. <laughs> if, you're re- if you're really polite, honestly, I think. Okay, well, look, I'm going to pray for the mice. I'm going to pray for you. Keep us updated. Yeah, I will do. Oh, God, I'm absolutely crushed. Um, um, it's not very vegetarian, it's not very vegan of me, is it? It's just like, 
I don't eat meat, but I'll murder all these mice. No drama. <laughs> no. No, there is yeah. drama, guys. I don't feel good about it. I just, I have to stress that I really, I, it's been eating me up. I feel absolutely rotten. You're not pleased to add homicide to your CV. No. (laughs) And I've organised it. I've just, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not even getting my hands dirty. I'm just paying for it to be done, which is premeditated. 100%. Very premeditated. It's a horrible stuff. I don't want to talk about it anymore. This is not manslaughter. What's your own? This is is, is murder. Um, (laughs) Oh, God. On a mass scale. Um, What's. What's your awkward? Oh, my awkward. My awkward. Um, I was in Copenhagen, went to Copenhagen, took Dave, didn't take Dave. I always think that sounds weird. It's more like he took me, but it was for his birthday, birthday weekend away in Copenhagen. We went together to Copenhagen. We went to a design museum because Dave loves design and he loves Scandinavian design and shit like that. So we went to a design museum and he was taking his sweet time with all of it he he reads every single word in a in a museum as if it's like a legally binding document that he's gonna have to sign and it's painful we we're in this room I was like let's move on I was trying to hurry things a lot along let's move on to another room so I uh spotted the exit to go to take us through to the other room I go towards the exit I move towards the exit I turn into the exit yeah uh-huh. And it was a it was a mirror, <laughs> <laughs> and I basically <laughs> flung myself into the mirror, <laughs> and without skipping a beat, Dave said, "Well, that's your awkward for next week's podcast." <laughs> <laughs> he knows us well, <laughs> and then he ran away, and I was like, "Why are you running away?" And he was like, "Because I'm embarrassed. Because this was embarrassing." Fuck. Fair fucks. I was like, no, please. Um, please, please. Um, My awkward, luckily for me, I'm not leaving the house a a huge amount to cause loads of awkwardness. Um, So this was a small personal one. I don't, you know, I've been ill. Um, Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever blown your nose whilst having a wee? (laughs) No, but I can imagine it accelerates the flow. (laughs) It really does. Oh my God, I'm going to try it. It it just caught me unawares. I was like by myself yesterday and I was rushing and I was like multitasking. Moral of the story, I don't know if you remember this time last year when I told the story about the time that I tried to undo, take my shoes off while I was also having a wee and I ended up weeing all up the wall. Gorgeous. similar, (laughs) Similar thing. I was like trying to save time. Yeah, so I was having a wee and I went to go and blow my nose and as I was blowing it, I was like, like the weed just was like barreling out and then I was like whoa but I was like by myself and I was like why is this so like it just feels so intense and then I got really awkward about like just my own wee anyway it was just it's just something fun for you to try at home and they say that we're not a a serious podcast (laughs) you know honestly how dare they? <laughs> Shooting my own way out. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to report back next week. Oh God, um, please do. It's good fun. Oh, I've been excited about this interview. I know. I am. It's huge. It's so exciting. Isn't it? It's Tess Holiday, who's a bit of a megastar. The one and only. She's a, like, she is the megastar. I, Isn't she? I honestly, for as long as I've been doing this like and working on instagram or social media or even writing anything tess has been so like just everywhere and like really on my radar and just so amazing like i've just admired her and been a fan of her for so long so to speak to her i was i was not cool i was fat like i was a bit of a fangirl 
I was nervous. It was great. Well, if you remember back, I was not cool. I kept trying to say something, a phrase. I can't remember which one it was, but it was not cool. Um, but yeah, she's so cool. She's so cool and so pretty. So pretty. Um, and we covered a lot of ground in this episode, actually. So yeah, okay. I'm Just enjoy it. Not gonna, Just no spoilers, but enjoy it. Here's Tess Holiday. We love her. Bye. Hi, Tess. Thank you so much for joining us today. Just before we started recording, your uh, manager sent me an email and just said, I'm just making sure you've got Tess's bio. And I love how it starts. It starts with, Tess Holiday has no filter and she has no interest in finding one. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's very me. It is very you. Is that, like a, is that a conscious thing or is that how you've always been? Um... I have always been that way, but when, but it's funny, I'm that way. I was that way with my family and I was, and I'm that way in my career. But when it comes to like some of my more intimate partnerships, whether it's romantic or platonic, I sometimes have a hard time being that person because I'm still working on boundaries with, you know, people I love the most. And I'm still kind of, I'm so much of a people pleaser in, in my personal life. And sometimes I have a filter too much, but I'm learning to be better. But with like my, like my family growing up and my work, I say whatever, which is actually how I got into consulting. It was, you know, I was working with this brand and they weren't getting it right and I spoke my mind and now I'm helping them. So I'm really grateful I don't have a filter because it's it's really given me a career and set me apart from my peers. A hundred percent. I I find um this I, I, I find this time really exciting because it felt like there was a sort of big shift um where I felt like big public displays of like trying to to do the right thing with brands and then it often like hit and miss but it does feel good to know like to hear that you're doing it kind of behind the scenes and like working with brands not it's not like necessarily for their clout that they're doing these big one-off things but they're working with you more long term feels quite exciting it does and it's been really validating I mean this is something that I've wanted to do the last few years especially because you know if I'm being very honest the plus size modeling industry is booming we have more diversity than ever but you're still not like you're still not seeing a ton of bodies like mine I mean recently Jordan modeled for parade and did a big campaign for them and that was the first time other than myself in like a hot minute that I've seen someone visibly fat like not just plus size fat and tattooed and like with a big belly. And that was really meaningful because, you know, for a long time, we weren't really seeing much body diversity. And so I say all that to say that I've come a long way in my career. I've done a lot of really cool things, but it's not always backed up with brands in a genuine way. And as much as I have tried my entire career to never partner with anyone that doesn't feel good. And I've maintained that. It doesn't always mean that you know when brands are being authentic or genuine. You can only kind of help or go with your gut. Um, so having a brand 
see my value and use the knowledge that I've accumulated for the last, you know, decade plus has been really nice. And no one knows. (laughs) This is like the first time I think I've talked about it. So hopefully I'm allowed to talk about it. We'll find out, won't we? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm not saying anything i'm not giving any details so i feel like it's fine no it's yeah good, but it's exciting yeah thanks um so you are you are one of the world's most famous plus size models um and but that's not like the only thing you do you do talk a lot about um eating disorders and disordered eating and weight stigma um a lot on fat acceptance as well and if you're okay to talk about your diagnosis um we'd love to ask you about that because in in 2021 you were diagnosed with anorexia nervosa um and you actually opened up about this on social media and if you don't mind I'm going to read your tweet out um so you said I'm anorexic and in recovery I'm not ashamed to say it out loud anymore I'm the result of a culture that celebrates thinness and equates that to worth but I get to write my own narrative now I'm finally able to care for a body that I've punished my entire life and I am finally free which is beautiful (laughs) like it makes me feel a little bit emotional it's very beautiful but this tweet blew up and it sparked a lot of conversation a lot of debate with a lot of people questioning the diagnosis because you don't live in a body that's typically associated with anorexia now i am i would i would like to know how this diagnosis impacted your life and also how it must have felt to have tons of people try and invalidate this diagnosis thanks for saying all that because I'm no stranger to people being very loudly opinionated about very intimate parts of my life. But having this be ripped apart has been really difficult. It, you know, I don't weigh myself, but I've I've gained weight. And part of that has been because, you know, Uh, I'm doing things differently than I was. I am caring for my body differently. There was, you know, a time where my body was smaller. Now my body is bigger. Um, And people notice everything on the internet and (laughs) they don't necessarily uh, have all of the information or know what they're talking about. And even though I know all that, it's still incredibly hard to see thousands of people every single day tell me that I'm not, that I don't struggle with the eating disorder that I struggle with. Or literally just on TikTok, there was discourse about, well, prove it. Show us, show us, show us your diagnosis. Because there's so many people that don't believe me, even though, you know, New York Times just put out a very extensive article. I, it was about two months ago talking about the very thing that myself and millions of people around the world are dealing with, that that you can live in a larger body, that anybody, any size can starve. And more importantly, that this is an eating disorder that like all of them, that is psychological. So I think people just really do not understand eating disorders and in particular anorexia. And I say that myself included, I can understand why people look at me and don't believe me. Like, I get that. But at the same time, because it is, you know, 
a, a psychological disorder, mental illness, some say, it like fucks with me because then I myself, I was just telling my nutritionist this, who um, has been with me this whole journey, um, Anna Sweeney, who's amazing. Um, she, she basically told me like, it is real. So you can't let that influence you. It's something I'm very passionate about because I didn't tell anybody that I was putting that tweet out. My manager, my PR, my team, no one knew that I was tweeting that. And I did it so flippantly because I was just tired. And when I got the diagnosis, it felt very validating. It felt very freeing. I felt like I just wanted to tell everybody because I've spent a decade all around the world talking about my body and loving your body. And so I kind of just thought that if that was happening to me, I would know, you know, I would know, but I had no idea that it could even be a possibility. And I wish that I would have known sooner, which is why I told everybody. But it must be like very freeing and empowering for you to own the narrative because like you say your body's been you've talked about your body you know publicly for such a long time but you've also had to because it's been talked about so much you know it's been like such a thing that people want to talk about and the I just find it absolutely bonkers like listening to you say there that you know people on TikTok are are making these videos saying that you have to prove it and it's like what (laughs) like we were in such an odd space with social media that that your body is so publicly people have got this like crazy um ownership of it that they'd have this conversation without you of course you put that tweet out like you you i can completely understand you you want to control the narrative somehow well i think that the reason people are so invasive i mean obviously social media lets others feel like they know you in a way. And so therefore they think that if you share things online, that that means that it's, it's theirs now to dissect and pick apart and judge you on. But it's a very strange thing because I know that for me and for so many other fat folks that exist on the internet, it just really comes down to fat phobia and the fact that people don't see larger bodied individuals as worthy of having respect and we're not allowed to take care of ourselves we're not allowed to suffer we're not allowed to to experience things that they don't feel like we should be allowed to experience like eating disorders like love like intimate partnerships. I could just keep going, like loving ourselves. They don't think that we're deserving of any of that. So, you know, it it really comes down to, to that. And it sucks. It sucks that people, um, you know, put their, put their hatred of themselves (laughs) onto everybody else. But I feel really grateful. Like, I don't want to be negative. Um, it is a heavy topic, but I feel immensely grateful. Like, I never thought my life was going to take the path that it has and for it to be at this chapter in my life. um, It feels really good because I know that it's helping a lot of people. Um, So it's honestly been a blessing being diagnosed. Yeah. And I do think that you talking about it is so important as well, because 
eating disorders have kind of become synonymous with like a, a very thin, a very thin young white girl. And that just isn't the case. Like eating disorders don't discriminate. And, boy, you know, reducing it down to that is it does such a disservice for people living in larger bodies who struggle with eating. At, at some points with my eating disorder, I didn't fit the criteria of like underweight on the BMI, but only just, but still that had a huge impact on me thinking that I wasn't sick enough. So for people who are in, you know, you know, who are bigger, it must be really just very difficult to believe that you deserve the help that you need. Yeah, I mean, you know, one statistic that has stayed with me through all of this recently um, is that 95% of folks that suffer from anorexia are not in emaciated bodies. So that means that the other 5% is what we've categorically seen, like you were describing. But 95% of us don't look like that. And you know, I just think for so many people, and myself included, I just never saw it as a possibility. So it's just never, th- never something that I sought help for. Um, and it's really difficult to not feel validated when you're going through this stuff because eating disorders for so many of us are shameful and something that we deal with different stages of. And some, for some of us, it's embarrassing and you know, it's not something that you want people to know because they instantly judge you. And then anytime you're around those people eating or whatever, I think to myself personally, like, I wonder if because I'm eating, they're judging me because they know I don't and they know I struggle. And I sometimes find myself, this is something I've been working on, like explaining to people, you know, oh, well, I haven't eaten. But then it's kind of like, glorifying my eating disorder in a different way by and also feeling like I need to to prove myself but it's just because you know that's how that's how it's been since I came out obviously it's hard to talk about I really I really appreciate that it that it must be hard well I really appreciate that you are opening up about it because it is it's such an unfair thing that you have to do in that nobody else would ever have to defend a diagnosis of any yeah. kind of illness and it's a very unusual situation that we're in this but I guess talking about fat phobia earlier it is in the medical community as much as any other um and I wonder like and you don't have to answer this at all if you don't want to but how it was how you came to be diagnosed or how you came to know that you wanted to look for that sort of support and if it was easy to find it was a virtual conference. I don't remember the name of it, but it was like two years ago, three years ago. There were like five different people. And so Anna was one of the panelists on um, on there. And we were just kind of sharing our experiences. And this was all over Zoom. And then after the conference, I was really impressed by Anna. And it was really nice hearing because she she specializes with eating disorders and it was really nice hearing her perspective and it was like really refreshing because I hadn't heard anyone really discuss eating disorders in that way but at the same time I wasn't really in that space like it wasn't really on my radar until that conference and so after 
I started following her on Instagram and I followed her for, I don't know, a couple months. And there was just something in me that was like, maybe you have an eating disorder. But I thought that it was overeating because I'm fat. And that was just in my brain, like, oh, maybe I need to talk to somebody and figure this out. So I reached out to her and I said, hey, you know, I don't know if you take on clients or because we've met. I don't know if you're able to. And she said, sure, you know, we I'm open to talking to you. And, you know, it was very quick into us talking that um, I was sitting on my kitchen counter right behind me. I always tell this story because I remember exactly where I was because when she said the words and she didn't, there's a lot of people are like, she can't diagnose. And I tell the same thing every time. She can't. She re- she basically said, if I could diagnose you uh, with an eating disorder, it would be with an- it would be anorexia nervosa. And she said, but you need to talk to somebody and you need to follow up with somebody. And then that's what I did. And then when they confirmed it, it wasn't, it, I kind of already knew because when Anna had a, had basically told me, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, I started doing my research. When I got my second opinion, I just thought to myself, like, all right, you know, I guess it is what it is. But I was in very deep denial for quite some time after, like, and very embarrassed because I thought, great. There's one more thing that people are going to talk shit about. <laughs> it's a long list when you hear my name, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, great. <laughs> it's very confronting to receive a diagnosis and then you have to like process that and yeah. somehow like a, not attach that label to you, but like associate that label to you when it was never previously associated. And that is quite yes. difficult. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, you know, because it's like, you know, we always talk about how mental health is so important, but I think people talk about it a lot without actually giving space for people that are suffering with a lot of these things silently, you know, and I learned that firsthand because, you know, when people do find out or maybe don't know, or if I share it with somebody, I'm always waiting to like, see the same look on their face and it hasn't happened a lot but it's happened often enough where people kind of look at me confused and then you think to yourself great now any credibility I had is gone because these people think I'm ridiculous now and I've really it's honestly helped me so much like kind of um develop a thicker skin and it's really helped me not care because um I kids it's part of me and you know it's a part of me that I'm treating with grace and patience and kindness um, because all the other things didn't work so yeah it's interesting that you say that about um I think people are fun well I mean people are weird but on social media it's like they put you you're well women specifically are put into a box quite early and I guess what's really interesting is like watching people grow up online and or not even grow up but just grow online you know to so many people you became uh I guess like the Cosmo cover is like probably like one of the most like iconic and amazing and that's like kind of where you like burst into everybody's psyche 
And I, I guess that's kind of, it's the point where you burst out that is kind of where you stay. And it's like you get a bit immortalized and trapped in that's you. And any growth that happens subsequently is, I think that you've got the added thing of like having to grow in front of people and then prove that you're growing because everybody's put you in a box somewhere else. And that's kind of where they want, they want to leave you because it's easier yeah. there. And you don't get a lot of space. I feel, I, I don't know if you know Matt Haig, the author and I just see him he's talking about his like current mental health uh struggles and it's been so amazing to like watch him go through it in real time but it's actually really unusual because normally people speak about things when they're healed and they can speak retrospectively but I I actually think it's mad that we do it in front of people and grow like this in front of people and it it is amazing and it will be so I mean as painful as I'm sure it is for you at times and frustrating and you must want to whack your head against the wall like it's going to be so educational for so many people and so empowering and inspiring for young people following you I yeah I hope so because uh one of my exes um (laughs) they're they're comedians so they used to always think they were funny but they weren't (laughs) but they um they would always like pick on me for being like, they're like, oh, are you crying online again? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I do cry online. I'm a cancer. I can't help it. Oh, same. <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. We just, yeah, I love to cry. And I'm, I've cried online twice today. Just, I'm sending you love. Record. You need it. <laughs> you too. Um, you know, um, when my cover blew up, it was, you know, I had been working for years before, right? But that was obviously a big moment. And it was 2018. 2019 was the biggest year of my career. And then we all know what happened in 2020. And there were so many things planned in 2000. Like I had so many things planned. And then all of those plans kind of fell off. And then, and I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. And then you know, I very much went through this identity crisis where I was like, that's it. That's the end of my career. No one cares about me. The industry's shifting. You know, the models that we're seeing are like now smaller plus size models. Like, you know, I, I, in my head, I was like, things are changing, things are changing. And then I was kind of confronted with that on top of a divorce, on top of you know, being a single mom again and an eating disorder. And because it was the pandemic, I was so grateful that I could like hide out. But um, I'm also very grateful that I've been transparent my entire career because it really gave me a chance to like choose to share my healing in front of everybody. And um, I don't know, I sometimes get embarrassed because I think I wonder what people think of me, you know, too much and how I'm perceived. And, you know, I hope that it's not as a crybaby or a know-it-all, but I just hope that people can see that, like, I genuinely care and I really do feel like, you know, I was given these opportunities to help other people, maybe not, maybe not suffer in the ways that I've suffered i just as a fellow cancerian um i have and you're probably sick to death of talking about it but i actually don't know how i'd have coped under this pressure so i just want to ask um how you did 
when the Cosmo thing blew up, it was so cool. But it was also like some of the rhetoric that surrounded it was so gross and so toxic and so horrible. If you're a sensitive person, which we now know that you are, because um, of your July Julyness, um, how did you cope with that? Well, on top of of the cover, I was also in an abusive relationship and nobody knew. I mean, my inner circle very much knew. My team knew. Um, I was literally on the verge of losing everything. Like my life was falling apart. And I, that cover honestly gave me my confidence back. I felt like I had kind of lost it in a sense. And the reason I got the reason I got that cover was because I spoke, I, not many people know this, but I spoke at a conference for the Cosmo put on in the UK and I flew over for it. And, um, you know, I think that I never turn opportunities down if it's, I'm not money driven is what I'm saying. Sometimes I should be, (laughs) but I'm not, I'm more driven on like opportunities, you know, and connections like what we're all having. I think that there's a lot of magic in, in things like that. And I definitely say yes more than I said no. And so with the conference with Cosmo, I was like, you know, I'm not really making money, but it's an experience and I'll get to see my friends. And when I went there, I connected with the editor and she was so enamored with my story, her words, not mine, that she was like, I have to put you on a cover. And I was, I couldn't believe it, but it was at a very volatile time in my relationship and a very um, important time in my career where the people in my life couldn't really, they couldn't show up for me anymore without my mess bleeding onto them. Do you know what I mean? And I don't mean to diminish like, um, you know, abuse and make it sound like it's your fault or it's, you know, like I use the word mess, but it's just like it, it got to a point where it was bleeding on everything. And Cosmo, it was hard to hear everybody saying this stuff, but to be honest, it was one of the best experiences of my life. And a moment for me where I realized that I could do all of this like without having somebody pull me down and I could stand on my own. So yeah, people talk shit. Piers Morgan talked shit. Everybody talked shit. But that cover went on to win cover of the year. It was, you know, by the British press and, you know, um, Fuck them. People really, <laughs> and I'm going to use, I'm going to embarrass myself by trying to use this as a verb, but I've seen it on TikTok, so I'm going to try it. People really deeped it. I didn't, did I use it right? No, you did not use that I didn't. right. I've oh, never shit. heard anyone use that. That's so embarrassing. What did you just say? <laughs> Dupe it. Deep it. Deeped it. Deeped it. Like what? they went too deep with it. They were they got all deep with it. I swear. Oh, I get I got what you're I get what you're saying. Look, I swear. Um, yeah, Gen Z you, are using that as a verb, okay? I believe you. You know, I I not to toot my own horn, but as most things I've done in my career, they've always been a little bit ahead of their time. And um, you know, I've been fortunate to 
you know, walk beside so many other amazing folks that have been trailblazers in my industry. And I'm immensely grateful that I have been a part of that. Um, But yeah, it's when all of it's happening to me, I don't really like you were asking, how do I not crumble? And then I went on a tangent about my personal life, but I was just giving context to like why I should have been crumbling. But in that moment, I, and like every moment, you know, I threw a party for myself when Cosmo came out and I never celebrated any of my successes before. I never stopped. Like I had other covers before that and I was happy, but I was always like, okay, what's next? What's next? And when Cosmo happened, I was like, I want a cake with my cover on it. I invited my closest friends. I wore the dress that I wore inside, you know, the magazine before I had to give it back. (laughs) And, um, you know, I I had my moment and I soaked it in and I didn't care what everybody was saying because life is so fucking short and we literally only get one chance. And to be honest, I didn't really give a fuck that people were saying how gross I was because I got to be on the cover of Cosmopolitan. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, cool. anytime they say anything, I would just think like, where's your cover? <laughs> <laughs> what a re- what a comeback! I actually really want to know: Has Piers Morgan ever been on the cover of a magazine? He hasn't, but he just asked me to be on his show again recently, like literally two months ago. I don't know who he was debating or talking to. Um, I don't I don't know if I had done something that that blown that had blown up. I don't know because like TikTok, thousands and thousands of things go viral each day, so it's like. You know, who knows? News is so fast now. But yeah, he asked me to be on to talk to him. And, you know, I'm like, it's not worth $2,000. I think that's what he offers every time to bring me on or 5000 I don't know. But it's just not, it's no. not worth it because, you know, yeah, it would be everywhere. But I don't know. It's I, I don't, he sucks. He doesn't deserve your energy. Why would you? He's, de- no, he's been so dehumanizing yeah. and so rank. And I find this it actually happened with Cosmo a bit later I don't know if you saw it in the UK after your cover like a couple of years later yeah yeah, and they had the amazing Callie Thorpe was on the cover and Soph Butler and yeah yeah and the fucking it it annoyed me so much with that because I mean I think particularly as well because it was they were focusing around health and there were so many Piers Morgans, but then just like internet Piers Morgans, like these like gym bros. And it's like, this isn't how, this isn't how, it's like, I'm not being funny. Yeah. But this is a woman's magazine. Yeah. These are women posing for yeah. a women's magazine. I know. Why do you, what, butt out? Like, butt out. Imagine Holly Willoughby kicking off about the cover of GQ. Like, she just wouldn't give a shit. Like, she just wouldn't. And it's just mad. Yeah, it's just, it's very strange. It's very strange. I saw all of that because I definitely, like, chimed in, um, you know, when that was happening. Because, you know, I know Callie and and Jessamine. And um, it's just, it's stupid. People um, people have too much time on their hands. And they also don't want to admit that they're attracted to fat people. So whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That's really what it comes down to. They just want to have sex with us and they are <laughs> pissed about it. So they get mad. <laughs> oh my God, but take Piers and his money and just go and tell him <laughs> Yes, I have told. <laughs> I did. Well, I did tell him that on Twitter when I was even <laughs> using Twitter. But when Cosmo happened and he was just going on and on about my health, I said, 
I don't know, man. It just feels like you're kind of like, are you into me? Are you trying to fuck? <laughs> um, and then he was like, I, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what he said. The tweets are still up, but it was funny. <laughs> so, yeah. I enjoyed that. Um, I bet he was predictably defensive. Well, um, yeah. And he was just like, oh, you know, he was just very like, oh, but that's not the point. Like he was just, I don't know. He was like, you know, you're a bad influence to uh you oh, know please. the english community it's funny though a lot of people think that i'm from england like they think that i'm british there are so many people that think that i'm british and i think that it's because i've had a lot of successes like that were in england because even though as a country i which england is my favorite and london's my favorite city in the whole world and then my friends that live Good there, <laughs> thanks. Sometimes my friends that live there are like, why? But London is just, I don't know. I will live there. I will spend my time there one day. I'm going to like split my time between both. But um, I say all that to say that yeah. um, England's not, you guys aren't always like the most like progressive in some ways, but in this realm, you guys I feel like have always done things before America as far as like plus size folks. And I think it's just because you guys aren't afraid to to kind of stir the pot. Whereas America, we pretend that, you know, we're proper and we're not. Touching on like progression in this area, and especially in the area of like fat phobia and the treatment of fat people, which as we know historically and, you know, still is, you know, despicable. But do you think that we're moving in the right direction? And do you think fat phobia is becoming less commonplace? What are your thoughts on that? Or is it hard to like gauge that when we're in it? I do think that we are definitely moving in a direction. I don't know if it's like the right direction because, you know, we're still only seeing, you know, the same handful of plus size models on every single high fashion runway, there's still really no body diversity, you know, um, with the exception of like a couple designers, maybe each season. But last year, it was the least diverse um, runway season. Like, I don't want to say ever, but in a very long time, like last year it took so many steps backwards. So I don't know. And it's like, if I'm gauging it on that, but are we seeing more brands use, um, not just plus size folks, but you know, because I've always, I've always championed for like, I want all kinds of diversity. I want non-able-bodied. I want different races and different gender identities and, you know, the whole spectrum. We all deserve to be represented. So are we seeing more of that? Yeah. And it's, it's super awesome. But as far as just plus size, I don't know. I think the people could do more. Um, and I still think that it's way too tolerated in so many of our spaces, whether that's, you know, movies, comedy, um, you know, any kind of real platform where you're consuming media, there's still so much fat phobia and it runs rampant on everything, you know, from the diet culture, especially in America to um, how we talk about fat bodies, there's still so much acceptance um, for things that should not be accepted. So I just really think until those things change, it's going to take a long time for 
it to shift to where we're seeing it in fashion. It was it was weird, the runways of last year. It was so strange because I thought that yeah. we had come way too far to ever go back. And I thought going backwards yeah. wouldn't be tolerated, but it was crazy. It was like, it was just like as undiverse as, as non-diverse as ever. It's crazy. Yeah. And and look, I love Paloma. I love Precious. Um, Yumi's great, you know, all of these girls that, you know, are coming up, they're great, they're beautiful, but they all are, and I mean, again, they're representing different, um, different ethnicities, and I think that that is so needed, um, and that, like, makes my heart so happy. It's just they all have similar body types, and that is a body type that still needs representation, but it's just the same body type that we've seen perpetuated, which is the good, what people call like the good plus, which is like super tall, flat stomachs, toned bodies. And I understand that they're models, but like, it's just not the reality still for so many plus size people. So I love them. I just wish that there were just, you know, different body types and I think we'll eventually get there, <laughs> hopefully. So, yeah. And I, I do think as well, like, I, I think a lot of people mistake this call for more diversity as, oh, like skinny shaming or you're against thin mm. people. Um, I don't know if you yeah. see a lot of that, but I see a lot of that. And I'm like, it's quite clear that what we're, what we're asking for, what, what everyone is asking for is diversity. Because it's of course we want to see everyone represented skinny thin people as well like that's important but at the moment we only see that so you know I live I'm only speaking on my perspective I think because I live in a larger body I think that people just automatically think when I'm talking about loving myself that that means fat people only and it's not it's just that you know we haven't had a voice for as long we haven't had a platform people haven't taken us seriously so you know I just want people to see bodies that are different than theirs, larger than theirs, whatever. However, however people choose to represent themselves, I just wish that you're not going to have, you're not going to respect us. I know that that's not going to happen, but like, I don't know, man, just tolerate us or just do your own thing and let other people do their own thing. But um, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I feel like my answer now is just it's weird because it is it's just it is stupid. Weird. It's weird. It's like it's just so stupid that we have to even talk about this. It's like it's my body. Why do you care? Even if I was sitting around eating McDonald's 50 times a day like people say yeah. and chain smoking <laughs> 10 pack of cigarettes at a time. I don't smoke cigarettes, but still, even if I was doing all of those things, like why do you care? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like it's weird it, it's it like when you peel it back i mean it's so obvious why people care because it is it's it, well why men care and then why women care and the women care because the men care yes. because they they're not controlling you and if in a society that wants everybody to be smaller to stand up and proudly say i don't want to be that yes is a direct attack on 
the patriarchal foundations of which we all exist. So, but it's so embarrassing, actually, when you look at it like that, that they're so triggered. It's like, oh no, like, you're so insecure. I'm so embarrassed for you. Like, yeah, nothing cringes me more. I agree. And I just wish that that energy would go into, you know, helping houseless folks and mental health and prioritizing other things at least speaking in my country, but in general, prioritizing other things instead of, it's just like people are just focusing their energy on the wrong thing. And um, I don't know. I think that they all just think that they're going to, you know, save us from ourselves, but really they're doing more damage than harm um, because it's been scientifically proven that people aren't receptive to being bullied. Shocker. And people aren't going to lose weight because you're yelling and screaming at them and telling them how disgusting they are <laughs> you know so who knew yeah <laughs> shocker weird that's weird that's weird so yeah i know what we're calling this episode weird. Now. so weird that's so weird <laughs> or, or deeping yeah. it but i'm glad that's great i still am not on board with that but i support you thank you thank you thank you for your support i'm now, because we've talked about it, it's going to be all over our TikTok algorithm. I wanted to ask you about TikTok. You said before you were seeing it, do you, do you use it? And if so, how do you find the comments and the community? Like, how do you find existing on TikTok? I use TikTok, um, you know, my following, I don't know, I have like under a million followers um, when I first got on TikTok, I was verified. I was verified uh, because, you know, like I was verified on everything else. So they verified my page. And I remember my first video blew up uh, and it was just me at like a party in a sequin dress. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't understand TikTok. But there were so many people <laughs> that commented because it's an entirely different platform with like a very specific audience. Mm. I think everyone uses TikTok now, but in the beginning, I felt like it was mostly for kids. And um, people were like, who is this fat whale? Why is she verified? I'm not verified because a lot of people didn't know who, who I was. And that's fine. But I really found it funny because, you know, I think I was so used to like the the platforms that I existed on. I have a following people you know, knew what I was about. And then moving to TikTok, it humbled me really quickly because people (laughs) were trolling me. But then um, it's been really nice seeing so many people comment and say, you know, like, oh, you know, I've I followed you when I was in high school and you changed my life. And I haven't seen you since then because they the only form of social media they were using was TikTok. And um I don't know. It was nice connecting with people that way, but taking it out of just like that context um, and back into just generally uh, TikTok has been probably the most fun that I've had on a platform. And it's I really enjoy connecting with people in that way. People are really mean, but they're mean everywhere. But I definitely get way more joy out of TikTok and I learn so much from my followers and just even scrolling through it. So it's probably the app that I spend the most time on. I'm not a dancer. Um, I'm not a musician. I just exist and I'm fat and I'm cute. So sometimes I go on TikTok and I'm like, I don't know what to do. 
but that's the magic of it. You just do whatever. And, you know, it's so it's helped me care about social media less, like in a, in a good way. In yeah. like a, in like a, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's less deep. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. <laughs> I've literally never, my, one of my friends is here right now. That's like younger than me. So I'm going to have to ask her after like have you heard of this because i never have and she's going to say no but i'm gonna proper deep it now and you don't have to answer this question because it's a big one but how how are you with your body now where are you at with your body now you mentioned before about loving yourself like is that where you're at or is it up and down it's sometimes that sometimes not uh... that I don't know you know my it's um I want to talk about it more but I just feel like I I talk about so many different things that I don't I don't know if I'm ready to like talk about it online I can talk about it here because it feels safe but aging is a bitch you know (laughs) getting older is will will for sure humble you if TikTok doesn't first (laughs) Um, and it's really strange being a model and having the last decade of my life being photographed either by myself or by my work. And, um, you know, people tag me in things all the time at different stages of my body and my life. And so it's a kind of, I get daily reminders of, how much my body has changed and evolved. And um, then when you add the eating disorder on top of it, uh, my body dysmorphia has been like not cute the last couple years. I would say where I'm at with my body now is I'm starting to accept it for the ways that it's changing because of age, because of healing and I haven't been at a good place with it. And that's part of why, you know, people are like, God, you never, you don't post like sexy pics as much as you used to. Cause I was really known for like always being half naked. And that's not your girl as much anymore because, you know, my body's changed and that's okay. Um, but it's definitely taken me a lot of work to like re-familiarize myself with, with who I am now. But I'm like happier than ever. So that's kind of weird to be, to kind of be not familiar with my body as much, but like, I'm just so happy that I care less and I care less to talk about it. And I care less to document my body. I just, you know, I just want people to know that I'm beauty and brains. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) I'm more than my body, guys. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was so much fun. And um, I've been coming out of my podcast shell. I was kind of saying no to everything because I don't know. I was like, nobody wants to hear from me. Nobody cares. Um, so it's been nice. It's been fun. <laughs> oh, then we're very honoured that you did this. Thank you so much. Thanks for deeping it with us. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>
Honestly, um, I'm going to make all of us, just because we've had to live through this trauma together, I'm going to make all of us matching t-shirts that just say <laughs> deeping it. it. Yeah. Could be a hashtag. I don't know. It actually sounds like horribly inappropriate. Yes. It really does. It when really she, sounds, yeah. Yeah. But I didn't it think does. about that. It does. Well, there you go. You're welcome, that's really everyone. On brand. Nope. That's, a, that's on brand for you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for being so vulgar and lowering the tone out. Oh, all right. Well, uh, thanks so much, Tess. It was lovely. So right. nice. <laughs> Hope we can deep it again soon. <laughs> Should I delete that is part of the ACAS Creator Network. 